every day on the big show. What? Gordon and what? Jake want to keep you up to date on all the action, all the newsmakers, and all the big opinions on the Zone Sports Network. This is What's Going On. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for uh, What's Going On, where we check in with the other shows on the Zone Sports Network. But real quick here, Gordon, I just uh, I clicked on a, an article from your Tribune, and uh, uh-huh. the, the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is coming. It has, uh, has a premiere date, apparently, um, November 11th, and uh, there is a sports tie, which I was unaware of, uh, Jen Shaw is going to be on the show, who owns a marketing agency called The Shaw Squad and also happens to be married to Utah football coach, uh, assistant coach, Sharif Shaw. How about that? Hmm. She's one of the cast Okay, so, so real quick, explain to me the premise of this. It's a bunch of housewives who get together and interact and say things, and sometimes it's entertaining, sometimes kind of crazy. It's it's supposed to be really high drama. I I admittedly have not seen a lot of Real Housewives episodes. I don't know about you, Austin, but I think that's the concept. You get a, you get kind of some controversial slashed uh, people of resource. Yeah, you find people who are willing to take an opinion you've written for them to have and yell at each other about it, even if is they it don't very feel is it very point. scripted? Yes, painful. So they don't, yes. So they're not really saying what they believe. They're just saying what's on the script. Well, that's that's the impression I've gotten from the clips I've seen of the Real Housewives of New Jersey and Atlanta, but and it's Orange supposed County. to be it's supposed to be dramatic in nature and uh, saying sort of bombastic uh, things. You're supposed to care about what Karen thinks of Susan, who said it to mm. Lindsay, who yeah, told there's, there's, uh, Jennifer. There's some drama built in there, but. So I, I don't know, Gordon, but I'm gonna I'm absolutely going to watch this. This is this is 100 percent going. Well, now uh, that the Kardashians are off the air, I know yeah, we've got a lot of time someone. on our time on our hands. We've got to <laughs> fill it with something. I think I'm gonna go with the Real Housewives of Salt Lake. Sounds uh, mm. terrific. Lisa didn't get a casting call, did she? No, she didn't. No, no, didn't hear. No. Uh, Lisa probably would not be particularly good at that kind of thing because. She likes to say, first of all, she's a peacemaker, and she so so this sounds like it runs in the opposite direction because she would be trying to herd everybody together to get them to get along, and it sounds like that's the opposite of what they want. There is usually one person on the cast that is that role. Yeah. Huh? Well, my my wife definitely is not a peacemaker. She's not really a dra- wow. she's not really a drama dramatic person either. No, no. Here's what I mean. Ugh. Here's here's what I mean. My mom, my my wife was in the line for uh, one of her friends' wedding, right? And one of uh-huh. the other bridesmaids was um, acting inappropriately, saying some things that you know probably shouldn't be said. <laughs> I don't making inappropriate so such as making inappropriate <laughs> jokes and somebody and and really making everybody uncomfortable because they were like. The, the the mother of the bride was around. It was just one of those people that are taking it too far or whatever. So, so did Naz play the part of cop? Oh, she she brought that bridesmaid right into line. 
So maybe I don't know. Some of that might be good on a reality show. My my wife, she's not afraid to tell you what's what. No, she's not afraid to hurt no, any feelings. No, Naz would to say it the way it is. And don't let me let me get this clear. I mean, my wife is a peacemaker, but she's she's not an easy pushover. She's uh, very uh, smart and. Uh, strong-willed about certain things but she would prefer people get along rather than have everybody you know scratching at each other or hitting each other over the head okay well that's boring that is boring not that Lisa but you want fights well that's why they put it they're not they're, they're not show, putting yeah. them on tv because they get along it's not sunday school <laughs> housewives <laughs> right. it's yeah, real right. housewives huh? you know who wants to watch people get along no one <laughs> Jerry Springer had success for a reason. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, you're right. I suppose. Got to have that. You got to have conflict in there. Everybody loves a little conflict. That's why we're both so popular, Gordon. Yeah, yeah. Are, when when these shows are going on, do people take sides? Is that what the whole deal is? They want the audience to 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 vote for Susie or Sally or you know. I don't think there's Denise any voting. Or, no, I, I don't mean literally. I don't mean literally. I just mean you're supposed to back somebody. Yes, exactly. You're supposed to be on team uh, Mrs. Shaw if she has uh -huh. a conflict with Mrs. Uh, what was the other uh, gal's name? The the tequila lady. Oh, she. Uh, that's. Uh, let's see here, Mrs. Barlow. Barlow. If yeah. they have a if they have a conflict that that's uh, been written in the show, they're hoping that. Je, uh, uh, Jen and uh, Gladys watching on Thursday nights. Gladys sides with one and Jen sides with the other, yes. I see. Okay. Or Jake and Gordon side with one or the other. In fact, I think that's we should have a segment. I would uh, I would be so terrible as a reality television subject. Be like, oh, he's watching, he's watching TV again. What is No, you would, be, you, you would be good on the show as a housewife. I would. Because, Why is yeah. that? Why is that? Oh, you'd be the best of us because you like you like to disagree. I do. I do. I like to create conflict. That's true. I was going to say you're disagreeable, but that doesn't. That's not what I meant. I like to pull the political strings behind the scenes. You know, that's what you really need to do. And plus, I'd like a camera following you when it's shred day and you have to sit in line for nine and a half hours at the bank. Oh, that's, that was. Hey, I got to uh, listen to you talk our sense that day. Yeah, that, you got to be part of Utah Carson, or was that a different no? Day? That was no, a different no. day. I do like me some Utah Carson. I gotta say, uh, ten to noon on Saturdays, Austin Horton and Jeff Miller tune in. Yeah. Oh. oh, Gordon's turned into a robot again. Gordon, you back with us? Are you human again? I am here. Oh, okay. There was some robot speak there for uh, for a second. Let's get to what's going on. Um, uh, let's go with DJ and PK. In fact, we're going to play this uh, entire conversation because uh, it was great. First and foremost, those guys did a terrific job. But we're going to play this conversation with Jeff Grimes, BYU's offensive coordinator, coming off a big performance from his offense. Uh, he was first asked, um, did game one go as he expected? <laughs> You know what? I, I, no, I thought we would play well, um, but no, I, I did not imagine it would be like that. I've got a lot of respect for for um, that program and the way Coach Niamatololo runs the program. And I know a couple of their coaches, and and I know they're um, they're certainly going to get their their ship righted, so to speak. But 
Um, no, I, I didn't expect that. But you know what? We've got a lot of experience coming back on offense. And I, a number of people asked me um, during the during the quarantine days and then as we got back to fall camp, how I felt like things were going for us. And I said, you know, I think we've got an opportunity here to be a little bit ahead of some other people because, A, we've got an experienced group coming back on offense, and so I think they're capable of doing more on their own maybe than some young guys who don't know the system as well. And then, B, the type of guys we have, I think, will take initiative and be self-starters and do a lot of stuff on their own. And I think that showed up Monday night. So I know, Jeff, most coaches, you know, unless you're the uh, service academies where you're running the option, they like to say they have they want balance on offense on both sides, being able to throw and run the ball. But do you think after what we saw, and given the fact that you have so much experience up front in the trenches where you played, that you could establish an identity going forward maybe this year as a running team? I think we'll continue to stress balance. That's something that – that I've said since I got here and it's something I believe in strongly. And there'll be some games where we do run the ball more and then there'll be some where we throw it a little bit more. And I think it, I think it depends on what the defense gives us. And I think um, most good teams, as you alluded to when you said maybe with the exception of service academies and then maybe a few um, Mike Leach on the other side of that, most teams that you see, are balanced. And it doesn't mean 50-50 run pass, but it means you're capable of running the ball or throwing the ball in any given scenario. Jeff Grimes, BYU offensive coordinator joining us. So they couldn't tell us on the broadcast enough that BYU had had uh, injuries and had to shuffle guys around. You have eight returning starting linemen on the offense there. And then uh, we've read stuff that four guys are getting a lot of interest from the NFL. Now, whether they get drafted or they stick remains to be seen, but that means at least four of them have enough talent that scouts are, you know, taking multiple looks. Knowing that, do you think the offensive line, regardless of the stats, is going to dominate enough that they're going to have to bring an extra defender up or you guys are going to be able to to run the ball pretty well? I hope so. I think I think we've certainly got the makings of that kind of front, and we've got um, a couple of running backs who who played really well the other night. They played well within the scheme, and they they made decisive, violent cuts. And uh, it, it was an example of the running backs from the line being in sync and working well together. So. We know you had heavy losses in the receiver core as far as guys not coming back. And, and certainly you're milling Romney and, some, and getting Powell back. You returned some guys there, but you lost the bulk of your talent. And then you lose Bushman. And obviously that was a significant blow in a lot of different ways, and we all wish him the best. So that's why I was wondering that maybe until the passing game gets to where you want it to be, you would lean more towards the run. Or are you comfortable thinking that the passing game – is where you want it to be now. So, yeah, you would have that balance. I didn't go into the game with the thinking that we were going to run it more than we threw it. Sometimes you just get into a game and things just kind of roll that way, you know, right. and and if it's if, if it's hitting, then you, keep, then you keep going with it. So that was really more of an example of that. I have a lot of confidence in our passing game. I think Zach is, is um, considerably further along. And at any time since I've been here, obviously his first year he was a he was a young punk freshman just trying to figure out 
what to do. And then last year, his health wasn't what it is now. His arm is better. The ball is coming out with more velocity, and he's making good decisions. Um, yes, we did lose three competent receivers, but I think we replaced them with three guys who were kind of in that next phase of their careers. Um, Matt was a significant blow, and you know that that hurt us on the field. It hurt me personally because, you know, in, in all my years of coaching, that's one of the one of the most disappointing. Um, injuries I've been a part of because he was primed to have a great year and he's worked so hard for it. But we'll move forward and we've got some young tight ends that that will step up, I'm sure. And you know that that's probably the spot where we're where we're behind uh, where we anticipated being. But uh, to answer your question directly, I feel confident in our passing game. And if we need to go into a game and throw it uh, twice as much as we run it to to win the game, I think we're ready to do that. Uh, with uh, Katoa and Algier running back, they're going to split time pretty evenly. You have some 60-40, 70-30 plan. How do you plan to handle playing time at that position going forward? Yeah, we went into the game thinking that those two would split reps. And, you know, sometimes it just kind of depends on, on how a particular drive goes, how many how many runs get called in a row, and how soon a guy needs a blow because he, because he had a long run. Um but I think they'll continue to split, split reps fairly evenly unless the case becomes that one guy's really got a hot hand and he's really feeling it one night or one guy gets banged up a little bit. I think they'll both get plenty of carries. Usually during the off season, you know, you know your schedule and so you game plan for a couple games, maybe up to three games, and maybe you might look at some other opponents down the line. Well, here, everything was put together almost uh, metaphorically at the midnight hour. How have you been able to handle scouting teams when you had no idea you are going to be playing these teams until relatively recently? Well, fortunately, we had plenty of time to, to get ready for this Navy game. And, you know, as coaches, we're used to, to working with about a week to go in most cases anyway. And so we still had significantly more time than that. So I didn't feel... I didn't feel that we were jammed at all. We had more than enough time given the time that the game was announced and, and how much time we had to get ready for that one. And and really, we you spend so much time. That first game is so important, you know, just getting off on the right foot and, and for the confidence of your, your team. I think it means a lot. And um, so we spent, you know, we spent most of our time on that one. And certainly we've begun looking at Army. But um, it to me, it hadn't, that hadn't been a big challenge and just – Really, to be honest with you, so so uh, blessed and feeling so fortunate to be playing when so many other people aren't. Jeff Grimes, BYU Offensive Coordinator, joining us. Since you mentioned Army, what did you think of their opening game? They get a shutout against Middle Tennessee State, and I don't know how good Middle Tennessee State is. They've got Louisiana Monroe uh, this weekend. What do you know about Army? Yeah, I, I don't know how good Middle Tennessee is either. You know, sometimes it's it's a little bit hard um, when you only have such a small sample size. You just got one game to go on, given any number of parameters, and those those conditions now are different than what they've ever been. Um, but um, I think they're certainly um, a team that's going to be a challenge for us. You know, another option running team, which we know what that can do in terms of your possessions and. Um, 
you know, they play they played a, a really hard and physical brand of football. It looks like to me from the from the time that I spent watching their defense, and so I'm expecting to go up there and have a battle. So Neil Matalolo after the game talked about how you know they didn't do much hitting, and he was erring on the side of caution during training camp with the COVID situation. Uh, what were your thoughts on how to prepare your team to play football, which obviously is a contact sport, under the circumstances that we have with the situation with the virus? Well, the way I've looked at it is I'm being paid to coach football. Somebody else is being paid to make decisions uh, regarding what we're capable of doing given different um, health health. Um, procedures and protocols and all that stuff and so my job is to operate within those protocols and and put the pedal down and go as hard as we can go and my personality is one that I'm always going to push for as much work and as as difficult of work as we can possibly get and so that's that's what I've done and you know I think it's been pretty good for us we've been really blessed and our I think our medical staff has done a great job educating our players as a staff, you know, we've done what we can to try to keep the environment safe in our meeting rooms and anytime we're in the building. And, you know, it, it's been, um, it, it's really been a blessing for us to be as, as healthy as we have been. All right, that was Jeff Grimes, offensive coordinator uh, for BYU, talking about that big win against Navy. And, you know, Gordon, he's, you know, coordinated. A, I, well, let me put it this way. It hasn't always been pretty, but I think he's done a good job during his time so far at BYU. He seems to be evolving from uh, – remember at the beginning he seemed to be really conservative – but as time has gone on, I think he's opened it up a little more. And you, uh, that was one of the most interesting things I heard him say in that uh, exchange was that uh, – All right, we've lost Gordon. We will try to reacquire Gordon uh, coming up here right around the corner, or or maybe he can uh, rejoin us here momentarily. We'll also talk to our friend Rob Ruff from uh, Zion's Bank coming up here in a second. But um, BYU's offense, I, tr- I truly don't think could have looked better against Navy. And the resistance Navy was, uh, was given wasn't terrific. But, I mean, I think we saw the ideal Jeff Grimes game. I really do. If they're not going to stop the run, BYU's going to run all over you, and that's going to open up some opportunities uh, for Zach Wilson to pass, and that's going to open up the play action, which we saw. And uh, really, those the the run game and the pass game can can go hand in hand and open up um, things for each other, and especially because the offensive line is going to block well for both elements of the offense, and that's going to be a real strength. Um, of this team. So you heard uh, Grimes. We've got that uh, interview up in its entirety at 1280thezone.com. Don't forget, David Locke is going to jump on the show at uh, the top of the 4 o'clock hour. And Dennis Lindsay, uh, Jazz Executive Vice President of Basketball Operations, he's going to be with us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. We'll have uh, more coming up next. It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Stay tuned. We're going to have uh, Dennis Lindsay on the show, top of the 5 o'clock hour. Top of the 4 o'clock hour, we'll talk to uh, our good friend David Locke. We'll talk to him about the jazz offseason, which has uh, certainly been a theme on the show today, Gordon, as uh, we go along on a, what is today, Wednesday? On a power outage Wednesday. Yes. At least it's on a windy, windy Wednesday. Hey, you're here to that. I, I couldn't agree more. But, uh, yeah, yeah, it's amazing how much we depend on that good old thing we call electricity, no? <laughs> yeah. Yes, we do. All right, let's let's uh, let's play this bit. We have, we didn't get a chance to get to this in what's going on uh, the past couple of days. Let's, let's get to this now because I'm sure Gordon has a good attacked by an animal story. Uh, let's get this is uh, this is from Hanson Scotty. Here's them talking about Hans's encounter with a stingray. <laughs> Look, I'm a I'm a stingray attack survivor, and <laughs> that's what we're calling it now. You know what? That stingray is like. You know, I'm a human petting survivor. I survived Lenny. It's all about perspective. Okay, well my perspective is I'm I'm a I am a stingray attack victim survivor. Okay, and but... I can tell you that swimming around in the ocean and messing with wildlife in their area it, it is not conducive with good health. Uh yeah, especially if you try to pet that wildlife. Friendly. I was. It was a friendly. Yeah, pet. but the, but the the stingray was minding its own business. It's not like it was like the theme of but Jaws. Was he? Like, but dun, was he? Dun, 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 dun. Wham! But was he? You had to go out of your way to you find had to, him. You had to go. Yeah, you had to track this stingray down and say, "Hey, hey Carlos, I'm go. no, he was he was less than fifty feet off the beach. He was coming into our territory. Okay, this is you. You kind of. Uh, say the same thing to me when I complain about the deer in Bountiful. Like, you kind of went into their area. Like, the ocean is their area. <laughs> All right. Well, anyway. Regardless. Yeah. If it's if it's wildlife traffic in there, Lloyd, you're right. That's, that's scary. If it's boating traffic, that sucks because having to swim around boats would suck. But 33 miles of swimming for a 16-year-old girl. That is remarkable. She now has her sights set on the final Triple Crown Swim, a 20-mile distance from the mainland to California's Santa Catalina Island. So she wants to swim from the mainland to California's Santa Catalina Island. You know that area at all? I, I don't. Lloyd, do you know that area at all? I've heard of the Catalina Wine Mixer. Of course you have. The Catalina wine mixer. Kids down there making snow cones. <laughs> let's, let's have ourselves a party. If you've seen Step Brothers, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I um, <clears throat> I don't want to swim 33 miles ever. Were you ever uh, in any of your, you know, fitness endeavors? Was swimming ever one of them? No, never. Huh. Um, us Idaho guys never really got into that stuff. You know, when you're young, there, there's a couple times, and I don't, I don't know 
maybe not everybody had an opportunity to get out into a huge lake and, and spot a distance and think that they can swim to it and yeah. start to swim to it. I did that a couple times in Payette Lake up in McCall. And you spot the distance and you start towards it. And you realize really quickly things look a lot closer when you're swimming than they really are. And when you start swimming, you're like, I'll, I'll never make that. I will drown. Yeah. You got to be careful with that stuff. I don't want to drown. It's a fair thing to hope for. Huh. You don't say. Yeah, and I am a I am a stingray attack survivor. Don't say he's a that stingray's a human petting survivor. That's ridiculous. <laughs> he had the advantage. You know what? Bring his butt out of the water. I'll take him ten out of ten times. Oh man. Well, I, I can't believe you made this personal. I'm not like, kidding, man. Bring him and he, okay, his this is, quick swinging little sting and tell out of the water. Okay, you went up to the stingray. You're like, that stingray looks cute. I want to pet it. Stingray's over there minding its own business. Like, just having a good time. enjoying like hiding under mud. Enjoy, enjoying the, the ocean. And here comes some dude snorkeling down. And trying to essentially um, assault it with its big old bear paw. What, what do you expect is going to happen? You said it yourself. He was shocked that you found him. He was hiding. No, he wasn't hiding. He was in plain sight. Okay, th- let's just flip the role. Let's say that there are giants that walk around and they reach down to pet us while yeah. we're here in the studio talking. Hey, you're not going to swing your butt at it and hit it in the arm and the hand. No, but you'd jab its hand with a pen or no, something? No, you wouldn't. No, you, you wouldn't. You would. You'd be like, oh, that's kind of endearing. You know, I, I love you too, giant man. <laughs> Maybe you'd pet his hand as he's petting you. No, I'm biting that finger. There you go. You would not, because guess what? Then the giant comes back with a big net, scoops you up, and cuts your guts. <laughs> Is that what you want to do to the stingray? Yeah. I'm going to cut your guts. You ever tried to pet a wild animal, Gordon? Yeah, I've pet uh, rays before. I, I don't know where Hans, I don't know where Hans got this story about the stingray, but I do know he's taken a cruise in the Caribbean before, and there's a place called, they call it Stingray City, and it's uh, mm-hmm. a lot of the folks on the cruise line, they go out and and uh, hang out there, and uh, the rays come up to you, and you can pet them. And uh, I've actually done that, and I don't know where Hans is Were there any golden dolphins? You sure it was a stingray and not a different type of ray? No, a stingray, now, a lot of the rays are just rays. They're not stingrays. There's Correct. only a few who are That's stingrays. That's what I'm asking you. I've caught, a, I've caught a ray before, fishing, Honk. a big one. It was probably Honk. about four, four feet by four feet. It was a Honk. big one. And it swallowed the hook, and it was a mess to get that out. But uh, well, Lisa uh, did yeah. a good job. No, Lisa wasn't there. It was me and my dad and some friends. But anyway, uh, so I don't know. Hans, it sounds like Hans isn't really all that well-versed in how to handle sea creatures. Uh, but uh, but I, I have, you know, I've taken on sharks. I took on a horseshoe crab once. You oh. know what those are. They look like... Uh, 
helmets that uh, float in the water, and they have tails on them, too. And are not very and, fierce creatures, might I add. <laughs> not very <laughs> fast. Yeah. I, had a, I had a whole bushel full of uh, blue crabs come after me once in a boat when it got knocked over. That, that, was, uh, that was no treat. Uh, on the land... I've uh, I've been uh, attacked by a raccoon once, which was uh, kind of scary. They they can be rather ferocious. Uh, let's see what, what else. Is... De- define attacked. They came, well, they came after me. They were in my yard, like the jets and of I... the sharks, or and and like yeah. like I saw a raccoon in my yard, and I was attacked by a raccoon are two totally different things. <laughs> It tried to gnaw my toe off, I think. And then uh, I had a pack of coyotes in my yard once. A pack? And I had like a pack. Yeah, Aren't there were coyotes like nine or... a lonesome type yeah, animal? Do, do that, no. They travel no. Packs. No, they do. There were nine of them. I counted them. And uh, that was somewhat harrowing. And then uh, I've had snakes come after me uh, in various places where I've lived. And what else? Uh, hmm. Uh, no, just an assortment of critters. Although coyotes live in family groups, they usually travel and hunt alone or in loose pairs. They, well, this it was way, in... they are different from wolves, which sometimes leads to the impression that coyotes do not form packs since they're usually seen alone. Huh. There were nine of them standing in my yard, so I don't know what to tell you about that. I don't know whether they were hunting or whether they were just slinking around or what. What was your response? But there they were. What's that? What was your response? I I made myself big. I just like that and scared them away. Like what? Uh, what? Describe how you you scared them away again. You, you did what? I I I I made myself as big as I can be, you know, in form, and that uh, that scared them off. And what sound did you make? <laughs> I just made I grunted at them. All right. Uh, and then I've, I, I was bit, I told you guys a story about when I was bit by the great Dane. That was no fun. Uh, not a wild uh, animal. That might as well have been. And, uh, then I had, uh, I had, uh, three peacocks come after me at the same okay. time. All right. Mm. Insulting our intelligence now. No. Three peacocks. Yeah, okay. Yes. And they came <laughs> after you again to find come after you. They stepped toward me and spread their wings. Oh, well, then I've had a duck on the golf course come after me. <laughs> I've had a lion approach me. <laughs> oh, man. I'm a survivor, man. I've just made it through. Somehow, uh, some way. But you can't. See, here's the thing. You can't show fear. You have to, you have to make yourself formidable without being too aggressive. Yeah, that's the best way to do it. Is it now? So my advice for Hans, if he, when the next time he runs across that ray, just don't be afraid. You know, I don't stand think, up. I, to I it. don't think he was afraid. I think that's the problem. I think he tried to pet the thing, and it got him with the stingray, or it got him with the stinger. If the stinger got Hans, he'd be dead by probably right now. I'm telling you what the story is. Well, it got him in the hand. How would he be dead? I've seen, I swear I've seen photos of the, the barb yeah. sticking in his arm. Yeah, that right. was nasty. Exactly. Mm. Well, maybe he'd be all right in your, in your hand area. But anyway, 
But I, yeah, fought I, some, I, don't I think... fought off some rattlers once. That was, oh, okay, that was that's old. enough of that. All right, we'll have more coming up next. Uh, we'll get back into the jazz. Dennis Lindsay joins the show, top of the 5 o'clock hour. Lock at 4. Rattlers, please. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. I'm here to introduce the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about from the guys you know and trust. Go, Turn it up. You're listening to The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. Yeah, yeah. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 in 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks, home to complete business, telecom, and IT solutions. Backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. We'll get back to the jazz here in a moment. David Locke's going to join us at 4 o'clock. But uh, first, Gordon, I came across a, a story today and and I can't help but think there's kind of a friend litmus test in here. And you and I are friends. We've been friends for a long time. Can I can I run this litmus test by you? Please. Okay. Are you familiar with Megan the Stallion? No. I believe she's a performer. I'm looking at Austin, our uh, our uh, pop culture guru. Oh yeah, she's a rapper. Okay. Yeah. Well, in July she was shot. And it was not fatally. I I remember seeing the story. I can't remember exactly where she was shot in the arm or something like that. Not, you know, like I said, not fatally. Well, it's been revealed, Gordon, that it was 28-year-old Canadian performer Tori Lanes that shot Megan the Stallion. Now, um, she's put this out. Uh, one message uh, she's put out there. I, I guess it's in social media. This is what uh, what Miss Lanes said. Quote. I know you probably never going to talk to me again, but I genuinely want you to know I'm sorry from the bottom of my heart. I was just too drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes on in a, in another quote to uh, to say uh, again, quote, because I genuinely just got too drunk. So here's the friend litmus test, Gordon. If I uh, over imbibed and shot you in the arm, could we be friends after that? Uh, yeah, I think we could. Uh, could you get over that? Well, where are you shooting me? Well, let's just say in the arm. Again, I'm not sure exactly where uh, Megan the Stallion was shot, but let, let's say the arm. Yeah, I think I could look past that. You'd be all right with it? No, I wouldn't say I'd be all right with it. Uh, but, but we could I... still be friends? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. Now, did you did you shatter my arm bones so that uh, I I lose all use of that arm for the rest of my life? No, but let's say you had to go to the doctor and get patched up. Oh, uh, I wouldn't like it, but I I think I I'd, I'd be all right with you on that. Okay. Wow. That that makes me feel pretty good, Austin. What if I got too drunk and shot you in the arm? Could we be friends after that? <laughs> and it depends on which firearm. I believe this would. Would make a decision on that, but well, sure. like if I if I shot you with like a bazooka, it would be different than. <laughs> yeah, I'm than not sure I'd have a decision. 
If you shot me with a bazooka. Yeah, that's so not fatally, just just something in the arm. Just you a, had to go to the ER and get patched up. I'll draw the line at a nine millimeter. How about that? <laughs> okay. Anything heavier, we're done. So okay. in other words, if you blow his arm straight off, he's not. He's uh, not we're done. Yeah, I can respect that. You know, the, unless it makes me a lot of money somehow, then we'll be best friends. Yeah, I don't know what uh, how the how the law is going to get involved in this whole thing, but uh, anyway. There you go. All right. Well, I'm glad we could still be friends. That's good. That's that's a good thing. All right. We're going to talk to David Locke coming up at the uh, at the top of the four o'clock hour. Dennis Lindsay is going to be on the show at the top of the five o'clock hour. So of course, uh, we're talking uh, a lot of jazz off season on the show today. But there is uh, uh, there is playoff basketball going on out there, Gordon. And uh, should we talk about my Miami Heat? And uh, they are eliminating the favorite Milwaukee Bucks from the playoffs. And I think the Heat are a huge story. But today, the bigger story is Milwaukee's uh, failure, Gordon. How how surprised are you um, at at this outcome or that Milwaukee wasn't better? I didn't see that coming. I really thought the Bucks were going to probably be in the finals. I, I know I've heard some people say, oh, yeah, well, there were the, there were these problems and I could see that coming. No, I didn't see it coming. Nope. They, they just didn't seem to uh, to have the same edge, did they? Not from the first time they showed up at the bubble. I didn't think they had that. You know, so they I, went I eight know. and ten in the NBA's restart. Yeah, that's that's not the team we saw earlier in the year. Do you think they're flawed, though? Well, let me let me uh, answer that with a question back at you. Is Giannis as great as he is? Is he flawed? Yes. He needs to shoot the ball better. Man, think about though when you saw them play during the regular season before the stoppage. There were times when they looked pretty much uh, invincible. I think they um, have issues with teams that can prepare for them, mm-hmm. like in a series over and over again. That's what happened against Toronto last year. In the what was that Eastern Conference Finals, right? That's Is, right. Uh, Toronto, uh, remember that whole narrative? The mm-hmm. built the wall. Toronto built the wall, and mm-hmm. and that's how you know it's it's not unlike um, LeBron James or I think I heard Kurt Heelan on with Hanson Scotty make the comparison today. It's not really unlike Michael Jordan either, where you know they're unbelievable players when they get into the league who have these these almost unstoppable MVP like games but LeBron MJ before him had to add range and add the jumper and be deadly from other places on the court so that the defense can't um gamble right or not gamble can't um you know sag and and uh, build that wall you have to be able to hit that jumper to keep him honest that's what I'm looking for to keep the defense honest so it's he is a flawed player at the moment, but who isn't, right? Who's, you know, is the the closest thing to a perfect player in the league right now? LeBron, Kawhi, maybe. But uh, if Giannis, if if Giannis added a jumper, uh, let alone a three point shot, uh, at you know a, a, a really consistent nature, I mean, he'd be he'd be the world's perfect player. I mean, it'd be unbelievable. But right now, you can uh, build the wall, quote unquote, and really be effective against Milwaukee. I wonder how long it'll be before pundits start viewing him as somewhat flawed. Well, he's still a max guy. I mean, you know, pundits, I mean, every other team would take Giannis on their, on their roster tomorrow. Right. So 
there's just so few perfectly rounded basketball players on the planet. I mean, mm-hmm. but I'll, I'll tell you what, he would be undoubtedly the best player in this world if he added a really deadly jump shot. Yeah, yeah. Well, he'd be unstoppable. And he's great on the defensive end. I mean, he's a truly yes. a two-way guy. So, I uh-huh. mean, that's that's what he's got to add if he's going to carry a team uh, to a championship. Yeah, I'm sorry, though, Jake. I know some people are acting like, I knew this was coming. I didn't see it coming. Not like this. Not I'm to not Miami. Saying, no, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, they may have lost somewhere along the way, but not like this. I, I'm I'm pretty surprised, and I'm surprised that more people aren't surprised or at least act like they don't, aren't. All right, let's jump out to the zone phone. Joining us now, Executive Vice President of Marketing and Communications for Zions Bank. He's hanging out with us on the show today. He's Rob Bruff with us on the big show. Uh, hi, Rob. How are you? Doing great, Jake. Hey, Gordon. Hi. Hey, what, did the Bucks take you by surprise, Rob? Are you surprised they're uh, they're not going uh, further? Yeah, I am surprised. I I'm with I'm with Gordon. I I wouldn't say that I saw that coming. No, I I didn't either. And I'm I'm all in Miami's camp. Gordon knows that. I'm I'm now a Heat fan. I think they're a great story. Uh, but let's let's talk about you guys. Uh, let's talk about another great story. What you've got going on at Zion's Bank? Of course, uh, mortgages are a big deal right now with rates where they are, and you're making it easier than ever for people to uh, to get that uh, mortgage taken care of. Yes, we are. Uh, and you're right. Rates are in a great place right now. And so if you're in the market for a mortgage now is a great time to do it. And, and through our ZIP mortgage program, uh, we've made it easier than ever to apply. I think many of us have memories of the mortgage application process of being painful and, and uh, reams of paper. But now uh, with our ZIP mortgage process, it's 10 to 15 minutes to apply. And so ZionsBank.com slash ZIP and we'll get you taken care of. Yeah, that's amazing, Rob, because the, the mortgage process that I'm familiar with comes with carpal tunnel treatment after it's all over. <laughs> it's that's the truth. That's the truth. Well, that's great. Well, You've got it right there in one one uh, place with Zip Mortgage. Uh, give us that website again. It's ZionsBank.com slash Zip. Wow, that easy. Well, Rob, thank you very much, and we'll catch up with you a little later on in the show. Look forward to it. All right, that's our friend Rob Bruff from Zions Bank. We'll uh, get to David Locke coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone.